Across the UK, online and on DAB, the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. A mid-morning dance with the devil from the farmer of fury. Dangerous mid-morning debate with the great dictator. The independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. So that's it then. Uh, We're not going just yet. We're not going next Friday. We might be going in May uh, or indeed we might be going in April or we might not be going at all. Theresa May managed to throw a blanket of doom over Brussels yesterday in a 90-minute submission to the 27 other members of the European Union. They enjoyed it so much they threw her out of the room so they could discuss it all for another four hours. And then when they came out... Uh, we're not really quite sure what they decided. Has there ever been more time wasted on yet more deliberations about nothing? We voted to leave the European Union. What on earth is so complicated about that? Today, there'll be more double-dealing, more infighting, more chin-stroking and more betrayal. And that's just inside the Tory party. Meanwhile, sore losing Ramonas are getting all excited about a petition they're all signing a few times with fake email accounts from halfway around the world. Uh, over two million now signatures have been added to urge MPs to revoke Article 50 and forget that the referendum ever actually happened. Quite incredible, isn't it? Do you feel like I do that we're somehow in the middle of Back to the Future 4? 0344 499 1000 is the number to call us on. Coming up later on, we'll be discussing the things that are going on in the rest of the world outside of Brexit. And there's quite a few of them. My favourite being uh, a Russian sailor, along with a Filipino sailor, who somehow got so drunk in Barry that they ended up on an island and had to be rescued by the lifeboatman. And because it's Friday, of course, we've got another sparkling edition of the Perrier Awards, which is an homage to my brilliance in broadcasting this week. I'm expecting to win quite a few. 0344 499 1000. You're listening to me, Mike Graham, right here on Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Now, we've already fired up the Batmobile because it looks as though next week we are definitely going to be down in Westminster on College Green in the Tent of Shame and we could be there sometime until somebody comes up with a plan that everybody can agree is a good plan. Theresa May doesn't seem to have any plan apart from Plan A. She has no Plan B, Plan C uh, or indeed a Plan D. Uh, Apparently, the Europeans are expecting her to know what to do in case her third vote gets voted down. The next meaningful vote is due to take place on Tuesday of next week, supposedly. However, what we don't know yet is whether John Burko, the Speaker, will allow it to take place because he's already said and already ruled that only when and if the, the plan is substantially altered... Uh, in his words, will he allow it to be voted upon again? If, uh, as we expect, that it gets voted down, uh, we don't really know what happens then, apart from the fact that we won't leave on March the 29th. We may leave on April the 12th instead, or indeed uh, we may get another extension until May. Are you confused? Because I am. Let's talk to Nick Dubois, former MP, former Chief of Staff for Dominic Raab uh, in the Brexit Department of the Cabinet, uh, and, of course, the author of Confessions of a Recovering MP. Nick, a very good morning to you. Good morning to you, Mike. Great to be back in your republic. Now, listen, if only I knew what was going on, I could probably ask you some really interesting questions. But I'm afraid uh, I have absolutely no clue what happened yesterday. It just all I know is it took an awfully long time for apparently nothing to be resolved. (laughs) Well, I'm almost inclined to say if I knew what was going on, this would make an interesting programme. Yeah, well, it would. But for once, Mike, um, I really thought we were coming towards closure a couple of days ago. Then the Prime Minister came out and stood um, at the podium in number 10 Mm. and managed to uh, annoy quite a few Conservative MPs, where it appeared she was basically blaming them for not delivering on Brexit. This has now meant, I think, the mood and tone has changed significantly against the Prime Minister, uh, who, uh, who faces, it looks like, defeat should her withdrawal agreement come back to Parliament. We now know 
that the Europeans are basically hedging their bets, the EU are hedging their bets a little bit, uh, because uh, they were quite divided yesterday. People are overlooking this. There was a bit of a bit of a ding dong in mm. Brussels going on, uh, where some people were basically saying, "Let's cut the UK some slack, being a bit more supportive." And Macron, the president of France, of course, who's terrified of poor results coming up in his own European election, yeah. felt that beating up on Theresa May and the Brits would be a popular thing to do back home. We are now at a situation, though, where that if, as you say, John Burko allows a vote on her withdrawal agreement... Which is by uh, no means certain, right? It, I think they're going to get round it one way or the other. I yeah. think it's going to happen, Mike, and I won't try and bore you with loads of parliamentary protocols, but there are ways around it. You could even argue what happened in Brussels with these new dates is a significant change anyway. After all, we are now changing the law, or the government are presumably going to put in place a law that says we're not coming out on the 29th. Yeah. Well, she needs March. to do that, and this is where I'm puzzled by the timing of everything, because yeah. we're being told that Tuesday, more than likely, is the day of the meaningful vote, part three. So yeah. presumably, before that happens, she has to pass the law that says the 29th is no longer the deadline. Well, I think in reality, she has to um, pass it before the 29th. Right. Now, Mike, it's not actually that hard. There's a very dull process called secondary legislation where about 24 MPs get locked up in a room and they, they can change the date simply as that. So it's called an SI, um, uh, which, which is a, a mechanism for changing a bit of detail on a legislation. So I, they have to do that before the 29th. Otherwise... And I wish they wouldn't do it. Otherwise, at 11 o'clock on the 29th, we would be out of the EU yeah. um, in a scenario where we do not have a withdrawal agreement. And, hey, that is uh, what I believe a lot of people still want. I think a number of MPs still want it, but not the majority in Parliament. So her withdrawal agreement fails... No, look out for an amendment, another mm. amendment. I, I'm, uh, this time, I think it's... Uh, I forget the... They sound like second-rate lawyers when you put all the names together. <laughs> it's like the, the Bowles, Cooper, blah, yes. blah, blah. No offence to the individuals. No, right. Talk about um, uh, uh, amendments. Yeah, like or that. a slightly shoddy building firm, possibly. <laughs> well, they're certainly trying to build something, and what they are trying to build is an alliance in the House that is now no longer so much about a second referendum, which mm. is what we were all led to believe. It's about revoking Article 50. Yes. And that basically is saying, we MPs, about two years ago, voted overwhelmingly to enforce the will of the people and have Article 50 in place, which meant we leave on the 29th of March 2019, with or without a deal, there is now a strong movement to try and overturn that, yeah. which would be disgraceful if it happened. But I believe that is um, that is uh, where where we will see amendments coming in thick and fast. Oh, there's lots of people jumping up and down about this, um, this sort of uh, petition that's been signed now by a couple of million people, some of whom may or may not exist, some of whom may or may not live in this country, many of whom, of course, uh, yes. won't make any difference to the process whatsoever. Well, Mike, let's be clear. On uh, the uh, referendum day of the vote, 17.4 uh, million people, the vast majority, got off their um, uh, couches and walked to the polling booth and voted to leave the European Union. Others would have done so by post. What 
That was done in basically one day. What everyone's getting excited about is something like two million people have sat at their computer, pressed a button and signed this petition, of which, as you say, a, a, a smallish proportion look extremely dodgy, coming from <laughs> North Korea and yeah. elsewhere. Um, and uh, everyone's getting excited about this. Well, let me put it this way. If in one day we collected 17.4 million votes that said we would like to leave the EU, simple as that, and uh, over two days they've um, got two million votes, which, of course, a lot of people will say is great for a petition. It's still well short of, uh, of people expressed in a referendum. And anyway, it is only a petition. Well, exactly right. But also people have forgotten already that right after the first referendum that we had two and a half years ago, uh, basically there was another petition put together uh, to have another go, uh, at which four and a half million people signed and everybody ignored that one. So why they were taking any notice of this one uh, is anybody's guess, really. Well, governments generally have a tradition of... Uh, noting and not doing a lot else, including the leader of um, uh, the, the, the so-called people's vote, Alistair Campbell, who yes. has a history of ignoring votes when it came to the Iraq war. But enough of that. The problem we are in now, though, is also you've got the issue of uh, the leadership mm. being talked about, uh, Theresa May's leadership. I take a slightly different view to yesterday, where everyone's saying, oh, how awful she was in 90 minutes, etc., etc., because she didn't have plan B. Well, quite honestly, my experience, both uh, in, the, in government and, and uh, as a backbencher, has she gone into that room and outlined what her plan B was? It would have been leaked all over the place, mm. and she probably would have upset even more people back at home for having the nerve to speak to EU leaders rather than her own parliament. So I take a slightly more nuanced view yes. of what went on in there, and, and the, the, the tittle-tattle that went around uh, trashing her afterwards... I think, um, eclipsed, in fact, the fact that there was a, quite a bit of support um, from countries in there. We've even seen German media getting behind the idea that no deal is not good for Germany. And I wish we'd played this hand earlier. Yes, I wish quite. the Prime Minister had had the confidence to say to them earlier, as I, remember, um, as, as I remember being discussed in the summer at the department, that, hang on, let's be clear, no deal is an option. And, and if that had been clear on the table, I think we might be in a different situation now. Yes, exactly right. The Human Zoo, where they don't hide away the sick animals. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. On Talk Radio. Independent Republic of Mike Graham, you know what to do. 03444991000. I think you get more sense out of these three guys that found themselves on a little island uh, in the middle of the Bristol Channel. There was a Russian guy, a Dutchman and a Filipino sailor uh, all found abandoned in a place called Flat Home. They went out on the Terps uh, in Barry and unfortunately somehow found themselves on this bit of island, a bit of rock sticking out from Barry Island. And nobody knows quite how they got there, but they were chased down uh, by several rescue helicopters and a load of lifeboatmen as well. Uh, you get more sense out of them than you would out of anybody over in Brussels at the moment. I have to tell you. We'll be talking to Alistair Campbell. We'll see whether we get any sense out of him very shortly. First, though, let's talk to Simon in the Scottish Borders. Hello, Simon. Hi, mate. How, how are you doing? Very well, indeed. Thanks for calling. What do you want to say? My pleasure. I'm just, I'm one of those people, you know, I, I voted Remain, and I'm allowed to change my mind in the next, if there was another referendum. But I actually think the Prime Minister's doing an amazing job. Do you? I support her fully. I think she's going to deliver Brexit. Um, it's just maybe going to take a little bit longer. But uh, well, how much longer, though? Is it going to be in May? Is it going to be in uh, April? Well, is it going to be in June? Is it going to be next year? I, I do believe that it will be on the 22nd of May now. OK. Uh, I, do, I do think that, that it will be delivered then. I think we've got to that point, no different to... 
probably being Scottish, Andy Murray almost getting sort of 40 all, and then he goes to juice, <laughs> and it's back to 40 Andy all. Andy Murray was a very talented man, though. I mean, I can't say the same about Theresa May, I'm afraid. Yeah, no, I, 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 well, you know, I defend her to the hill. I think, I watch her, and I thought she got really angry in her speech the other night, mm. and I actually think that's the first time she showed some real... I think she's gone from being calm to actually being probably determined to actually see this through now. Listen, she's done a, she's done a very difficult job, but not very well. But part of the reason the job was so difficult was because she made it so difficult by having an election which she didn't need to. No, I think she did, and I'm glad she did have an election. Really? Yeah, you might be the most pessimistic optimist I've ever known. Well, being Scottish, remember, I'm in the borders here, and we, we, we narrowly lost... Great the, result last night, by the way, yeah. <laughs> The vote that narrowly went 53% uh, remain here, yeah. right in the Scottish borders. Even though I voted remain, I'd vote leave next time. I was talking about the football, actually. Oh, don't mention the no, football. No, don't mention that. All right, Simon, listen, I admire your uh, your fortitude and I admire you having that view, particularly in Scotland, where Theresa May is about as unpopular as she could possibly get anywhere in the world. Uh, but let's hear from more of you, 0344 Let's talk now, though, uh, to Alistair Campbell, former Chief of Communications for Tony Blair, now more famously known uh, as the organiser of the People's Vote. Alistair, very good morning to you. Hi, and I think, I think your previous caller should... She should go and live in Downing Street because honestly, she's got to. That, is, that must be the first person I've come across that actually is, is a total supporter of Theresa May. He may be the only one, in fact, and, and I think he may just be suffering from some kind of shock after watching the, the football from last night. But that's another it story. Wasn't good, was it? Now, it a couple good. of uh, a couple of quick tweets to start you off with, right? One from uh, Liana here, who says one of the unwritten rules of democracy is that referendums can be overturned if a certain number of rich celebrities demand it. Uh, and one from Marcher, who says 16.5 million people voted to remain in the European Union. This dodgy petition floating around only has 2.5 million signatures. Does this mean that the other 14 million have changed their minds? So, here we are. <coughs> well, I mean, first of all, I think that one of the arguments that keeps getting run against the People's Vote campaign is it's all about some metropolitan elite. I think you're going to see tomorrow on the march, there will be hundreds of thousands of people from all, all, all over the country, uh, including exploding, I hope, this myth that the North isn't interested and the West Country's not interested, that it's all about kind of London and the South. It's very middle class, though, isn't it, Alistair? No, I don't agree with that either. I mean, if, if I look at the youth groups, for example, that have sprung up, you know, uh, FFS for, for our future's sake, OFROC, our future our choice, of course you're going to get, you know, middle class, university-educated people who are going to be in there. But honestly, it's very, very, very broad-ranged. And I think that what, what the... One of the worst things of this debate is the way that, you know, the country sort of constantly trying to separate ourselves. I'm, I'm going to accept that there are there are people of all backgrounds who voted Leave, OK? But I wish the Leave campaign would stop pretending that the re- Remainers are all some kind of, you know, London metropolitan elite. I think you'll see tomorrow this is people from all over the country. And look, celebra- you're, you're in the media, Mike, celebrities... They they get attract they do attract attention. So like today, I've been talking to a number of you know well known people saying, could you tweet about this? Could you do a video about this? Because they do they do get attention that that, that they do. But they all tend to be a little them. bit. They all they, 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 they I mean they are the lovies after all. I mean I'm, you're not going to obviously slag them off. But I mean in the in the end they don't know any more than anybody else knows. And no, they always seem I, to. And they all, they're always on the left side of the of the curtain, aren't they? No, they're not. You had Michael Caine coming out for. 
for, for, for Leeds. You're not going to find many people on the right, I'm afraid. I mean, you'll get Michael Caine, you'll get Peter Stringfellow, who's not alive anymore, and you'll get Jim Davidson. That's about it, isn't it? Well, fine. But my point is that just because somebody's famous or just somebody... Cause it's like the other day when Eric Dyer, the footballer, right? Eric Dyer, I've, I've talked to him, he's a very intelligent bloke. He's entitled to an opinion. He did a tweet the other day. He just said he supported the people's vote. Yeah. And it's like, you go and go, I'll stick to football. What do you know? And then with the politicians, they say, God, you lot are useless. Why can't we hand it over to somebody else? People are entitled to say what they think. But I think I'm not pretending that because somebody, a celebrity says something, I'm not going to get my views shifted by that, and nor should anybody else. But my point is, when you're doing something like running, you know, driving a campaign, trying to get people to understand that there is no such thing as a good Brexit, that it should go back to the people because of the Brexit that was promised is undeliverable, the Brexit that she's negotiated, you and I agree on this, is a total dog's dinner. Therefore, I don't actually think it's a dog's dinner. I think it's the best thing she could have got. Now, whether somebody else could have got something better, I don't know. I think it's the only thing that's there, though. Well, that is true. It's the only deal that's there. Uh, and, but the reason why I think it is so unpopular, both with Remainers and with Leavers, is because she has... She has lift, she's picked up from the lies of the fantasy that was sold during the campaign that you can leave the European Union without there being bad consequences. But don't you think we should and move the debate on, Alistair? But don't you think, think we, could, we should move this debate on? Because you've been banging on about how we were all misled for years now. Nobody cares about that anymore. Probably what we should be doing is harnessing the power that we all have together and actually trying to find some way out of this. The problem the is, reason... is that deep down, you and most of the people on the vote, uh, the, the People's Vote March tomorrow, don't want to leave the European Union. And unfortunately for you, we've already voted to do that. You know, hold on a minute. First of all, there will be a lot of people on that march tomorrow who voted leave, OK? So don't... This idea that nobody's changed their mind is nonsense. Just as your previous caller said he changed his mind the other way. Yeah. So, and, and given it so... Given well, nobody so knows far, how many people have changed their mind. That's the bottom line. Of course line. we don't. Well, let's put it to the test then. Fine, I don't let mind. Just, but I don't mind having put let it... Let me finish the point. But, but, let me finish yeah, the point you raised. You, 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 the, the point you were making about, you know, I've been banging on about this and don't want to leave and da 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 but what? No, it's true, it's isn't it? Like, wait a minute. It's not like we're saying to the British people, let's let's give the vote to another set of people. It's the same people, and it's to test whether, based on what we now know, which is so different to what was promised. And when you say I keep banging on about the lies, I'm banging on about that because of the context that Theresa May has never confronted the country with the truth about what these choices mean, and therefore what has to happen now. And she was given. I don't. I don't think she's got the imagination to. I think you finished the other earlier point, and now you're making a new point. So I'm going to jump in now. Here's what okay, I'm going to okay, say okay. to you. I'm going to say to you uh, that the problem is right. You say it's going to be put to the same people, and you say that you know we need to stop being quite so uh, sort of polarised by all of this. There's been an awful lot of bad feeling coming from the Remainer side of the argument, who have talked about hoping that you know older people will die off so that the younger people can come in and vote, well, and the vote and that? the numbers the, num that? the numbers will change. Said that? Well, Polly Toynbee said it for a start. No, listen, people may have made the... They've all said debate. it. No, wait a minute, Mike. This is, honestly, at least have the debate. You go on about the polarisation today. At least have the debate on, on a sort of... I know, have a debate on a daily basis, basis, Alistair. Yes, I know, but at least... Uh, you go and find me somebody who has said, I hope old people die. 
That's what you. Well, there have been plenty of people actually on Twitter. I don't know who they are, but they are. Well, they are people with social media accounts who back the oh, people's vote. But, but listen, let's have a, do you want a serious debate or not? Well, I want a serious debate, but you'll admit to me that Polly Toynbee made this point, did she not? And it was roundly criticised and it was I, ghastly. I haven't, a, I haven't got a clue whether she did or she didn't. Well, of course you have. You're a man that's across okay. every single piece no, of information out there. Mike, I don't read newspapers, OK? Let me just tell you, you something. used to. Yeah, I certainly did, and it's one of the reasons why I still write for them, for heaven's sake. Let, I still do. I'm editor at large of the New European. That's not a real paper. I'm debating Matt Kelly, actually, talking about real debates. You should come along you on I Monday, April the 1st, April Fool's Day. What could be better? But listen, Mike, let me just say, say something. If there's somebody to point out, when, when for example, I have, I've made this point, when we say the will of the people hasn't changed, I think it is relevant that this has now gone on for so long that 1.7 million people, 1.7 million young people, are now old enough to vote that weren't. Now, I'm not saying that, and then you might say, well, that that applies to every election, that people get older and people get younger. Which it does. Which it does, of course it does. But the point is, this, the, this has taken now almost three years. And the reason for that is because, as I said to you earlier, Circles cannot be squared, and squares cannot be circled. And the country now knows so much more about what this means. So, yes, you may be right that anybody who negotiated this, if they were going to pursue a fantasy, we can have our cake and eat it policy, they'd probably end up where she's ended. But listen, listen, you know as well as I do, Alistair, that one of the reasons that the circle has not been squareable is because of all the obstacles that have been put in the way of the circle and the square by people who don't want it to happen. And some some of those are politically motivated. Some of them are motivated from some other reason. But equally, you could easily square the circle by leaving at the end of next week on Friday if Theresa May doesn't bother bringing in any new legislation, technically speaking and legally speaking, we leave the European Union on March the 29th. You and I know that's not going to happen because she doesn't really want to do that either. Well, listen, when you talk about squares being circled, let me give you some examples. Mm. We were told, we were told, right, that we could leave and there'd be no economic hit. If we do what you were saying next week, there will be a massive economic hit. I'm not we saying that we, no, I'm not saying we're doing it. I'm saying that we could do it. No, you could do it, but you can't do it on the basis of the promises that were made. And let me tell you as well, if we do that, all this talk about the Northern Irish border, you can care about it or not care about it. People can decide it's important or not. But if we do that, that is your hard border back overnight because it has to be, because that is what happens if we come out on WTO rules. Mm. So I just think that we we have to look to reason the whole way through. You said in the earlier quarter, you're right. It's a very very difficult job. Being prime minister is a difficult job at the best of times. These are not the best of times. Mm. It's a very challenging time. But what she has shown herself almost uniquely is incapable of actually doing the things you need to do to lead the country through such a period. So, for example, she hasn't made any effort to bring the sides together. She hasn't reached out until it's too late. She has pampered to one wing of her party. She did go into that meeting yesterday. And listen, I'm still talking to people. I know people in the European Union. I know leaders and I know some of their teams. They couldn't believe what she did yesterday. When she basically went along, she had no plan. No, I know. She still doesn't have a plan. But, I mean, that's not our fault. The point is, is that you don't want to leave the European Union. Most of the people on that march tomorrow don't want to leave the European Union. But we have to, at some point, admit that people in a majority have already voted to do so. So have a second vote by all means, but wait until you've enacted the first one. That's my point. Right. And you also have to admit that in a democracy, it is perfectly proper for MPs 
to study the detail of legislation as it goes through the, the Commons. That is their job. And it's perfectly proper for the public to continue to express their view. And what the view that will be expressed tomorrow is that the Brexit that's on offer is so far removed from what was promised that it should be put back to the people. That's what I think. Well, I don't think that's going to solve anything, but unfortunately, or fortunately for some people listening, we're out of time. I'll see you soon, Alistair. Thank you very much indeed. Alistair Campbell, uh, forward chief of communications for Tony Blair, uh, a man that many of you don't think you want to listen to on Brexit, uh, but he is out there and he is making an awful lot of noise and he'll be on the march tomorrow, uh, along with certain radio hosts I can't mention. This is Talk Radio. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. And because it's uh, Friday, of course, we've also got the Perrier Awards coming up a little bit later on, which is an homage to my brilliance this week uh, and every other week uh, in broadcasting, of course. Uh, I usually win most of them. Uh, Con will be in uh, with a list of them very, very shortly. Uh, Let's go now, though, to Bridget Simmons, who is the Chief Executive of the British Beer and Pub Association, because the story basically is uh, that there's an organisation which is called the Phonographic Performance Limited, uh, PPL, who basically charge fees to people for the, having permission to play music. And presumably that fee goes back to the writers of that said music, or at least the publishers of said music. The charges at the moment are 4p per person per hour. They're going to go up to 9p per person per hour by 2023. Uh, now, that might seem a long way off, but I tell you what, uh, it might be that long before we leave the European Union. Let's talk to Bridget. Bridget, very good uh, afternoon to you. Welcome. Good afternoon, Mike. Good to speak to you. Thank yes. you. For, thank you. And now, I mean, this affects an awful lot of people, doesn't it? It does. I mean, we're talking here about recorded music. So there are a variety of what we call record, uh, collecting societies yeah. to collect on behalf of their members. This is recorded music. So you're talking about having a DJ or you're talking about putting on a karaoke evening, which, of course, many pubs do. Um, the current, on average, a pub would probably pay £1,000 a year for this to PPL. Right. And it's going up by 130%. So what you're, you're moving to is something that's £2,300. Right. And to be honest, most pubs are not making a great deal of money out of this. They do it because they want to do something for their local customers, because they want people to go there. Um, uh, it is a huge increase. Uh, I just don't think it's justifiable. No, I seem to remember that shops had this problem a while back, but I think that was PRS, if that's different from, from PPL, yeah. because PRS yeah. are the people, I think, that radio stations pay money to for playing music. But it was was there not a case where supermarkets were not allowed to anymore pay, play sort of piped pop music and they had to come up with all their own stuff because yeah, otherwise they were, they were having to pay ludicrous amounts of money? I mean, the whole 
thing is quite ludicrous, and you can challenge it, and the BBPA did challenge it some years ago very successfully. Right. But I'll be honest and say it costs hundreds of thousands of pounds. Right. So we will have to go to the Intellectual Property Office, see how we can challenge this. This discussion has gone on with PPL about this tariff for the last 18 months, and basically what they've said to us is that people value music. Well, people do value music, but I don't think they value music, that they're prepared or able to pay more. And the problem for pubs is that, as you know, and you and I have discussed before, they've got high costs, high regulatory costs, they've got high beer duty, they've got high business rates. The majority of pubs of the 48,000 pubs that we have are run as independent small businesses. They simply can't afford to do this. And yes, if they don't do it, customers will, and, and they'll be worried about it, have to go elsewhere. No, quite. Let me just uh, ask you to stay there for a minute, Bridget, because we've got Alex Proud, who's an entrepreneur and nightclub owner as well, on the line. Alex, a very good afternoon to you. Thanks for uh, joining us. A pleasure. Now, I suppose, I mean, you'll you'll be on the same side as Bridget on this, but on the other hand, I suppose that from the the other perspective, which we're not hearing from at the moment, is the musicians themselves, because they will probably say, well, we don't make enough money as it is, so we need to make more. I mean, obviously, uh, songwriters need to to, to make a living, and, and, yeah, Britain has a, a fantastic uh, creative output. We're still world beaters in that department. But, you know, anything where you, you double prices overnight is, is, is never going to be a good idea. It's, it's, it's insanity. No. You know, the restaurant, nightclub and pub world is having a very tough time of it anyway. We mm. know that loads of pubs shut every week. And with property prices where they are, if you, you run a pub that maybe makes a, a few thousand pounds profit a year and your, your, your pub's worth five million in the property market, not surprisingly, you sell it and it gets developed. Right. It's happening far too much and it's just the wrong time to be hitting people who, who work incredibly hard, uh, a, a really important part of British um, community life, one of mm. the last bits of where you meet your neighbours still. And, and I think it's, it's absolutely insane and it, it, it shouldn't happen, it shouldn't be allowed. No, quite. And at the moment, Alex, how does it work? Because presumably if it's per uh, person per hour, that means the capacity of your audience. I mean, how do they work out how many people are actually listening to it? Oh, it's, it's, um, it's a really complex uh, thing. PPL and PRS visits are a nightmare because they, they need to know the capacity of your venue, how many seats, how many people, what time. Um, um, you know, a big nightclub like us, we, we, we can end up paying bills of £10,000 plus for uh, PPR and PRS. It's, right. it's a lot of money, and it's quite a complex calculation. And, uh, you know, it, it, they should exist. No one's arguing that. I just, I just don't see the justification for out of nowhere doubling, um, doubling their prices. And I think at a time where uh, the, 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 the entertainment world is in real trouble, I mean, with Brexit, you can hardly get any staff. I mean, 50,000 Europeans have already left in the last year. Uh, all, all the entertainment industry, uh, nightclubs, hotels, pubs, are having real problems with staffing now. And, and this is the last problem we need. It's, 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 you know, too many pubs are closing. We need to start supporting pubs. Uh, they're a really important part of our lives. And, of course, a lot of pubs are changing as well, aren't they? There's not so much of the old. I mean, I'd hate to give away how old I am, but everybody knows how old I am anyway. But, you know, you, when you would actually go to a pub on a Friday night and there would be some kind of a disco there, there's not many doing that anymore, is there? I, I think um, I, I think the, the, the world's changed a lot from when we were young. I mean, yeah, the, the old disco with the guy in the corner is slightly gone. And I think, um, <laughs> it, I mean, it's, I mean, in some ways, it, it's good because I think you know, people go to very professional nightclubs. But 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 you know, uh, pubs need to play music whether they're running a disco or not. You know, the jukebox is a, a fundamental part of pub life. And and you know, if pubs can't uh, afford to pay this, most pubs do not have a spare thousand pounds sitting around. They're, they're often husband and wife teams who who earn very low 
low wages, work really hard and, and, and play a vital part of our community. Yeah, quite right. Let's go back to Bridget, if we may. Bridget Simmons, Chief Executive of British Beer and Pub Association. I mean, it is very arbitrary, this. Have you got any chance of sort of stopping it, Bridget? can go to tribunal, as I said, but you are talking about hundreds of thousand pounds to challenge it. And of course, from a, a nightclub world, we've closed the number of nightclubs that we have in this country. And that's partly because you now have extended hours. You know, people can open late, whether you're a pub or a nightclub, yeah. and it's whether people are going to stay around long enough to go to the nightclub. But they're really important parts of people's lives. We need places where young people could go. I think it was my son who said to me that he's got friends who are flying to Berlin because, frankly, it is cheaper to go and have a nighttime economy there than it is to be here. And as part of our high streets, we've got high streets closing, we've got leisure being an important part of that high street and an experience being even more Mm. important part of it. So pubs are still putting on events like this but not making money out of them. Nightclubs are really important for people who want to socialise. And the yeah. last thing we want for any of these people are them sitting at home. We want them to go out. Loneliness is clearly a problem. We've got issues around mental health. The, the great answer to that is being with other people. Right. Um, and we need to help people. So both of them are really important. So I think it's, I, I totally agree when we've got an economic uncertainty, we've got Brexit, we've got less people to work in our, in our sector. Uh, because of the migration laws, uh, coming out as an organisation and thinking this is a great time to put up a tariff by 130%, uh, you really have got to be thinking again. Um, uh, is there I, a danger as well that pubs might just change the way they operate? Like they might say, well, you know what, this music uh, money that we used to pay that we no longer now want to pay because it's gone up twice as much as it used to be, we'll just do something else. Of course, that is indeed the case. And I mean, you know, you have pub quizzes and you have other events that happen uh, in pubs. But still, I would say music is a very important part of, of pubs, whether it's in the background or whether it's a jukebox or whether it's a karaoke night. So it's actually quite difficult for them to do that and keep their customers, which, of course, is the ultimate game. This has to be about the consumer. What the consumer wants is what the pub or the nightclub is going to offer. Right. Bridget, thanks very much indeed. Alex, let's come back to you for a moment. I mean, you you were saying that you can pay as much as £10,000 a year. Does that mean you might be looking at having a bill of 20000 next year? Yeah, I mean, this is this is a serious um, 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 conversation, you know, and, and even for a big nightclub like us, you know, 10 grand is 10 grand. That, that, that's, you know, you might employ one less person uh, or half a less person these days. Right. And, you know, the, the, the nightclubs are shutting left, right and centre. We lost, I think, tonight 70% of our nightclubs in the last... Uh, 20 years, yeah. you know, it's a really tough operating environment now. The police and councils are so much stricter. Every neighbour's a rich lawyer who doesn't want your club next to him anymore and wants to shut it down. And we, we operate in an environment that is extremely hostile and very difficult and financially tough. Um, and, and this is just another headache we don't need right no, now. Sure. Alex, thanks very much indeed. We'll keep a track of this as well. Alex Proud there, entrepreneur and nightclub owner, and Bridget Simmons uh, from the Beer British Beer and Pub Association. Uh, we'll keep a track on this and keep an eye on it to see uh, precisely when it starts to kick in and whether it does actually affect the way that some pubs and some nightclubs and some uh, different establishments uh, that play music actually are affected by it. 0344 499 1000. We've got loads of calls to take. We're going to start taking them coming up next on to Radio. I'm gonna take you away. Let's escape into the music. DJ 
This is the Independent Republican, Mike Graham. You know what to do. 0344 is the number. We're going to go to your call straight away. Uh, let's go to Laurie, uh, who's in Northamptonshire and wants to talk about uh, playing music. Laurie, very good afternoon to you. Welcome. Afternoon, Mike. Uh, listen to your show regular. Good. Welcome. Uh, I, with a partner, run a small charity shop and we give all our profits, we're non-profit making, right. to help for heroes. Oh, very good. Um, we have a small CD player. Everybody's a volunteer in the shop and we play CDs and it costs us £380 a year to do that. Really? And I think it's a bit of a racket. That is a bit of a racket. And how do they know... I mean, I suppose, how did they find out that you were doing that, or did you sort of tell them initially? Well, I think I think it's a bit of both. They they actually have snoopers out and sort of look for people. Right. Uh, but we, we put our hands up and said, yeah, we play here. It's a small shop, mm. one room. Uh, you can swing a cat, just about. Right. And it costs us 380 quid a year. That's crazy, isn't it? That seems ridiculous. It's ridiculous. What if you had just I, had I the... Ra- if, you just, about if, it. if you just had the radio on, you'd be all right, wouldn't you? Well, no, you got a, don't you have to have a radio licence? Well, I was wondering about that. That's what I don't know, because I think that there was... I remember there was a story a while back, maybe a year or two back, about supermarkets that had to basically not play music in their stores unless they wanted to pay for it. Yeah, yeah, this is it. It's, that, that's what they say. And, uh, yeah, I think you, you can have a... You don't need a radio licence if it's your own radio and you uh, right. have a television licence. Yes, so but if you're listening to talk, if you just blast out talk radio, for example, that, hopefully that wouldn't cost you anything. Well, I, I don't know if it will. No, I think mm. I'll look into that. I think, but yes. uh, we, play, we play the music. It's for the volunteers mainly because yes. people wander in and out the shop throughout the day. Uh, but you know, I'd like to know where the money went, really. Yes, I think that's a very good question. What's your What's your most popular CD, Laurie? Uh, well, uh, being a being of the older generation, uh, we we play most things, but. Uh, my pop- most popular, I'm a bit of a, a bat out of hell fan. Oh, are you? Okay. So a bit of yeah. meatloaf. Super. Yeah, a bit of meatloaf, a bit of, uh, yeah, that sort of stuff. Right. But, uh, country of Western, anything. Okay. Well, listen, thanks a lot for calling, Laurie. Interesting insight. Imagine having to pay, you're running basically a charity shop, you have to pay 300 plus quid a year just to play some music. That's madness, isn't it? Absolutely crazy. Let's talk to Simon. He wants to talk about Brexit. Hi, Simon. Hi, hi, Mike. I've just I've just sent you a tweet, so when you get time, have a look. It's I about will. that petition. Um, I will. Just just briefly, just I'm just hearing what Laurie said. First off, I'm a, I'm an ex-veteran, as you know, and I'm a member of Bolton Veterans Centre. Um, firstly, can you just send him a big thank you for what he's doing? But ask him if he's got an issue with that. Ask him to ring Bolton Veterans Centre. They might be able to give him some out where he doesn't have to pay it because oh, okay. he's collecting for veterans. I don't know if there's truth in it but there might, there might be, be like a charity like. like a charity exemption or something like that yeah something like that so do, do, if you could just pass it the thanks of all veterans onto him mark I'd no problem at all it. yes absolutely we'll do that thank you simon yeah, tell us what what you want to talk about brexit wise right i've always been quite proud of Theresa may but i'm, I'm sorry it, me i'm at the end of my tether now mark and i'm sorry she's got to go I mean, I'm annoyed at what they've done, and I think it's an utter, uh, it's a, it's a sham. Our friend, fake journalist, has apparently today been saying that we're all con man, the people who voted for Brexit, etc. Oh, yeah. et yeah, well, let's, anyway. let, the less said about him, the better, to be honest. Um, but the thing is, is I mean, Donald Tusk still coming out with his uh, hell comments, yes. and this, that, and the other. And I think it's dis- it's it's a it's an utter disgrace, and it it is Mike. And I know I don't know which way you voted, but at the end of the day, you come out with with stuff that that's ba- 
basically what a common sense people yeah. think. Look, we need to we need to carry out. Well, listen, I'm a, I'm a Democrat, for. right? I believe in the in the power of the people and the power of the public vote. And the public vote said we leave. It's as simple as that. You know, it doesn't matter which way anybody voted, but at the end of the day, more people voted to leave than voted to stay. So we need to get on with that. And the idea that somehow you know we are being treated by Donald Tusk and all of the people in the European Union as if we belong to them and that somehow we have to ask their permission to do anything is a nonsense. The thing is, Mike, we were asked two questions, leave mm. or stay. Yeah. And at the end of the day, the, I, I keep hearing all this malarkey from these politicians. And all, basically, Mike, I've come, I, I watch a lot of it, as you know. I mean, we've spoken before. And all you can see is they're determined, determined to overturn what the public have voted for. Yeah. That's what they're trying to do. And all I would say is, on their heads be it, Mike, because it, it's, it's an utter and total disgrace. And, it's a com- and also it's a complete disaster. And the problem that I have, and nobody's actually talking about this yet, so I'll probably be the first one to do so. I have absolutely no confidence in Theresa May or this government taking it to the next level. Because don't forget, once we leave, there's an awful lot more work to be done. And I don't have any confidence in them doing that right either. Uh, well, I, 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 100%, Mike, I totally agree with you. And the thing is, is... If we if we have to stay in, God knows what's coming down the line. But I I think and I've voted conservative. I have voted, and I'll admit that. You know, and people might say, "Well, you're wrong to do," but I've voted that. But the thing is, I think it's time now for her to go. I mean, she looks like a beaten woman, yeah. and she she just doesn't know where to go. But the problem she's got, Mike, is is them lot in Parliament, and I know what she said. A lot of people thought was out of order the other day, but I kind of agree with her frustration because. She could have brought back the best deal known to man back to that parliament and they would still have voted against it, Mike, and yeah, that's the issue. of course, that is absolutely the issue and that is absolutely the problem as well. Simon, thanks very much uh, indeed for your uh, uh, for your call because you speak an awful lot of sense like so many people do. Now, let me read you this uh, about uh, our sister station, Talk Sport. They're putting a, the legend that is John Watson on the stage with a brand new theatre show uh, on the 15th of April in London's Greenwood Theatre. It's an exclusive one-off show. Mossy's going to talk about the brilliant highs and some of the devastating lows from his 50 years in football and broadcasting uh, it's a funny and highly entertaining show with unheard stories from the man himself and if you want to get show details and buy tickets go to talksport.com forward slash live show the vip tickets are now all sold out but you can still buy standard tickets priced at just 20 pounds each plus a booking fee it's an evening you don't want to miss so head to talksport.com forward slash live show now to secure your tickets uh, let's go to andy who's in sussex hello andy Hello, Mike. Good morning. Good morning. Um, Good afternoon, even, I should say. We've moved oh, into afternoon, the afternoon yeah. seamlessly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, indeed. Um, first of all, that, that guy who's mentioning meatloaf before yeah. there, I've, I've got to say, I always think of you as the kind of talk presenter meatloafian type <laughs> guy. You've got that kind of sense about you. You're Thank kind you. of like, give, give a talk sort of version in a meatloaf style. But okay. So there you go. All right. Well, I think, um, I think I'll take that as a compliment. And there is a compliment there, yeah, definitely. Uh, anyway, um, look, Theresa May. I mean, look, look there, there are two things I think that are going on at the moment. You, you've got the you've Brexit argument, and you've got Theresa May. And I think for the first time when she made that speech, I've always thought she's pretty incompetent. But mm. I saw something else when she made that speech the other day. I saw someone who is who 
not necessarily well, incompetent, but I saw someone who just can't manage. Yes. Who's who's lost it, who's lost the plot. And I think she's been masked by all the MPs and their debacles about Brexit, all the very the counter arguments going on, the leave, the mm. remain, the uh, the um, uh, toxicity of the European Union. And I think she's been masked. But I think the mask has dropped to me. And I can see that the main root of the problem here um, is, is Theresa yeah. May. Now, I'm not saying she's a bad person, but I'm saying she's in a position that she simply can't handle. And I think that's got to be the focus. And, and you know, I, I think I honestly believe that if Theresa May was to be shifted, people say, well, who would replace her? Yeah. There's plenty of talent in the Conservative Party. Dominic Raab or someone like that. Yeah. I think if... We need to have a refresh. We need to have a new face, a new negotiation. And lastly, should I tell you what my main concern is? Go on. Uh, my main concern is, yes, I, I've actually voted Remain, but yeah. I was converted to a hard Brexiteer through the toxicity of the Remain argument. I didn't like it at all. all right. um, but my main concern is that we go out on no deal, which I'd be happy with, and Theresa May stays as the Prime Minister for no deal, because I, I think that she'll be forgiven to a large extent, and suddenly we've got Theresa May, and she's going to still be the same incompetent person. I, I, I think if, you know, I don't mind no deal at all, but I don't want Theresa May to be there after no deal. I want a new person there. I think it's absolutely right what you say. Again. No, listen, it's absolutely right what you say, because she has been put into a position that she can't handle, as you say, and she's kind of trying to be all things to all men, and that's not working. And if you were to be asked exactly what do you think her strength is, the best thing you could come up with probably would be, oh, she's very resilient. Well, I don't want my prime minister to be resilient. I want them to be a leader. I want them to be somebody inspirational. I want them to be somebody that my kids look up to and say, wow, that's Theresa May. What an amazing woman. And nobody says that. No, indeed. And I, and I think that Theresa May, um, you know, now has expended her credibility. Mm. She simply has none left. And I think even when you've got the European... You know, before, last week, I was making the argument to myself, oh, the European Union, they're terrible, the way they're treating us and all that sort of stuff. I'm actually having some sympathy with the European Union a little bit in the terms of she's going in there and stonewalling them the same as the way she stonewalls us. Yeah. She dresses the MPs down the other day on the television, and now, now she's making a withdrawal statement on that because some she's getting a myriad of advice from all different directions, and it's never the same advice. And there's always probably someone ready to pocket advice to her, and so there's no strategy, coercion, yeah. or anything. And I saw, and I'm going to have to leave it there, Andy, because we're running a little bit late. But I saw yesterday uh, a former uh, negotiator from the British government talking on Sky TV on the news yesterday afternoon. This guy was such a remainer that you would have had no doubt in your mind that if he was involved in any of these negotiations, he was going to mess them up because that's what they want to do. They don't want to leave the European Union. They want to stay in it. So the negotiating procedure and the negotiating position is all to cock to begin with. Across the UK, online and on DAB. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. It's 12.35. It's Friday. It's time for this. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Perrier Awards. Well, welcome to the Perry Awards indeed, and it's now time to introduce you to producer Con, uh, who's sitting here with a whole sheaf of uh, awards waiting to give them out to me. Yes, a whole sheaf's worth. Uh, it's time for another glittering edition of the Perry Awards. Yes. This is, of course, where we cast our ears back over the past week of the so-called Independent Republic of Mike Graham and choose our very favourite moments. Let's begin 
as is tradition mm. with you, Mike. Excellent. Uh, the first pair you win is for insult of the week for this rather incorrect quipped about myself. I think there is this temptation. I think they're behind the curveball. I think there's some lazy producers involved here in as much I think the public are We've got one of them. tired of... <laughs> <laughs> well, he thought it was funny. He doesn't even know you. Yeah. Or maybe he does. <laughs> yeah, <it's> true. <laughs> um, well, you weren't the only winner in that regard, though. Uh, you were also on the receiving end from Russell Quirk, property expert. Mm. He wins the other insult of the week award. It's almost a kind of... Call it, I guess, the Victorianisation of London, didn't you? You know, you remember, we well, won't remember, but um, it, it, our history books will tell us that in the old days, can you remember Mike? No, no um, I'm not that old. Give me a break. <laughs> it's very harsh, that, from Mr Quirk, I have to say. Imagine thinking I was alive in the Victorian era. <laughs> uh, and in Bristol, uh, congratulations to you. You win Fan of the Week mm. for your support of the show Gogglebots and its former uh, participants and now talk radio presenters, Steph and Dom. Mm. The thing that's amusing about it is, is, is you're watching the people who are watching the programme. Yes, that's where Steph and Dom came from who do the show here at the weekend. Well, I, I know nothing about them. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. I'd forgotten that one. I know nothing about them. I think he meant the others though, didn't he? Uh, Rather than uh, Steph and Dom. No, They're on at 10 o'clock on Saturday. 10 o'clock on Saturday. For anyone who wants to know more about them. The Boozy Brunch. Yeah. Um, a classic now. We rarely go to Perry Awards without awarding an impression of the week. Harry in Portsmouth wins today for his take on the Speaker of the Commons, John Burko. Okay. He, he just translated what he, he he knew when he was about two into order, order. It's true. I think you've absolutely nailed that. <laughs> 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 well, he was. I did give a more complicated uh, sort of explanation of that, didn't he? Oh, didn't know. he say it was what you used to say um, as a baby or something? Yeah, I don't know. I couldn't really understand. No, but, uh, congratulations. <laughs> uh, I was too lazy to listen. Yeah, probably. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Let's go. People into... think you're joking, but he's not. I can tell you. <laughs> Never seen a guy out the door quicker than this bloke. Uh, let's go. Uh, let's hurry up because I've got to go. Actually, um, let's go international now. Uh, this show is uh, this show is known for its jet setting. Mm. Uh, well, Mike, I believe you went to California recently. I did, example. actually, yeah. yeah I haven't yeah. mentioned it very much no. to very many people. Well, you and Simon Calder win the Peria for Bilinguists of the Week. Uh, yeah, I've been along at uh, St Pancras. Not a pretty sight. Mm. Actually, less bad than it is at Paris Gare du Nord. Right. <laughs> There's also problems with the services to and from Lille. Right. Les air traffic controllers. Ah, yes. <laughs> They're promising that it's going to finish by tomorrow, tea time. Oh, I, I think dinner time in oh, France. Yeah. Um, however, Petit déjeuner is breakfast. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a crikey. This is, what a, what a just came to me suddenly. Yeah. <laughs> Petit déjeuner. I don't know why I said that. Anyway, here we are. Um, and whilst we're focusing on confusing foreign words, uh, we were speaking a lot this week about the Turkish president, Erdogan. Oh, yes. Uh, admittedly, not the easiest name, because written down, it looks like Erdogan. Yes. Uh, so we had all sorts of variations mm. from all sorts of callers. Uh, so sorry, Paddy and Suffolk, to uh, pick you yes. out. But this was my favourite, as it invoked memories of it, Father well, Ted's Mrs. Doyle. So congratulations, <laughs> Paddy and Suffolk, for winning <laughs> pronunciation of the week. That's... Now, I've got lots of problems with Erdogan. Erdogan, Erdogan. <laughs> That is very good. You know, I did think when he said it like that, I said, well, he's covered all the bases there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's got Erdogan. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> <laughs>
Fantastic. Uh, congratulations to early presenter, uh, early breakfast presenter, and Independent Republic regular contributor mm. James Max for yeah. winning this week's shutdown of the week when talking about your pro- job prospects for you, Mike. You are not allowed to go and do a similar show on those stations. Right. That doesn't restrict you from, you know, you could go and become the new person on Celebrity News, for example. Yeah. That's possible. Or I could get a job on Newsnight, maybe, if I was a woman. Um, you could. <laughs> or, or, or in, uh, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, I know. I tried I, I to think what he wanted to say there, but realised he probably couldn't because it was too rude. Yeah. Um, it just sound like you could never imagine you in that role. I know. Uh, Hugo Chapman, the curator of the British Museum. Yeah, yes. He, of course, deals in a lot of history and therefore facts. So it's a surprise, really, that he's won Lie of the Week. Excellent. I'm delighted to say, I'm not quite sure why, but the British Museum Twitter account actually follows me, uh, and I follow it. Of so, course we do. And I mean, I... you know, you know, we, we all absolutely tune in to you. And you my know, kids, and my kids love it. the museum at well, all times. <laughs> I didn't know it was so popular there. No, apparently Culture you are. Corner. Oh. Maybe we should go and do an OB from Maybe the British Maybe you're an exhibition. Another one for you, Mike. <laughs> you win Best New Word of the Week. Because I think an awful lot of this uh, is that you get fobbed off by doctors, and luckily, um, you know, some people are less fobbable offable, if you like. <laughs> fobbable offable. Well, you know, people knew what it meant. It's the whole yeah, point no, of conversation, good. isn't it? And it, is, it is a word words. of the week. I thought you might pick me up on that because it's hyphenated. Uh, uh, who says it's hyphenated? I did. Well, uh, you know nothing about English, though. It's not hyphenated. Isn't it? Fobbable offable. No, absolutely not. Well, it's Two not a real words. word. Of course it's a real word. Can't be. Fob off. Yeah. It's a Go phrase. <laughs> no. Anyway, and finally, yes. uh, the award for the most obvious Perrier moment. Mm. Uh, John Craig, uh, the Sky's oh, yeah. Sky News political chief be. political commentator, was on the phone and this had everything. An interruption, an unneeded expl- explanation of what was going on, and then a weird <laughs> description of the situation. There's a phrase used by the MP who contacted me. That's my dog barking, by the way. Who let the dogs out? We're going to be talking, you and I, John, possibly next Monday and maybe the Monday after, um, and we're going to be going, well, what happens now? Well, there's another debate on Monday, which is... That's my dog barking again. He's changed. He now sounds a bit more angry. Do you know what he's... No, he's pushed his ball underneath the wine rack. Oh, good. Okay. How middle class is that? That's very middle class. Is there anything in the wine rack? Yeah, of course. Very good uh, periods this week. Yeah, that is it. That, that you've really be... raised the bar on that now. That's, you're going to have to have that standard every week now. Oh, dear. It took me an hour to make that. Yeah, you uh, see? <laughs> the more work you put in, the better it gets. Mm, yeah, not my lazy, normal self. No. Uh, there'll be more next week. The Perrier Awards on Talk Radio. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday on Talk Radio, via DAB, online or via the Talk Radio app. If you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. 
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 